Shabbat Shalom, everyone. A week to go. I hope your bags are already packed and ready to leave Mitzrayim. Chayav Adam l'harot et atzmo. L'harot et atzmo. That he himself has to see, who has to show others that he is leaving Mitzrayim. So I will see all of you at Yom Suf, but that's ready the week after. Anyway, Shabbat Shalom. It's Parashat Vayikra. A new sefer, a new beginning. Um, we, we've been called... Vayikra el Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu was called. Interesting, by the way, before we get on to the Korbanot and, uh, and what their calling is, uh, you know that Moshe Rabbeinu had actually ten names, including Yered and Hever, but he's really known as Moshe. And I, I guess there's something interesting behind each person's name that maybe in some way it uh, relates to one of the character traits of the individual. What was special about the name Moshe compared to all the other names that he had had? Well, for a start, it was given to him by Bat Paro. And maybe the message behind that, as we read in different sources, is that Basia, the daughter of Paro, she basically risked, risked everything. She put her life on the line. When she went and grabbed the child in the little mini ark out of the Nile, she knew he was Jewish. Everyone knew he was Jewish. At least those around her knew and yet she had the Mesiris Nefesh, the willpower, the devotion, the commitment to do something which is right, and of course it changed the whole of Jewish history, just like uh, I guess God had planned, and maybe that Mesiris Nefesh uh, rubbed onto Moshe Rabbeinu in some way, and we remember him, Moshe Rabbeinu is not just the, the Navi of all Nevi'im, the closest ever to God, uh, but also the concept of uh, his name relates to Mesiris Nefesh. Anyway, Vayikra. Yeah, we're being called. Uh, whether we uh, like it, whether we recognize it or not, uh, we should probably always be ready, uh, elevate ourselves. Moshe Rabbeinu is being called by God, and Lubavitch Rebbe at some point even talks that every individual should think that he's being called by God, not on the same level and intensity, obviously, of Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, but that we are constantly have to call ourselves to elevate ourselves, to be better. The whole parasha and all the parashot that come following this, as we know, is all about the korbanot, sacrifices. Uh, within the word korbanot, we also can hear the word hakrava, self-sacrifice, karev, getting close. I suppose if we want to get close to Hashem, uh, the message is very clear, and maybe it's like, like that in general in life. We want to get close to someone, it means giving, it means sacrificing. Uh, in fact, a little bit of ourselves. Adam ki akriv mikem korban Hashem. It could have quite easily have just said, Adam ki akriv korban Hashem. A man that gives a sacrifice to God, etc., etc. But it adds the word mikem, uh, which means that a person is not just coming along with a sacrifice and just giving it to the queen, thank you very much, and going home. No, no. Part of him is is within that sacrifice. He's giving of himself. He has to have smicha. He puts his hands on the on the animal itself. He himself is totally immersed. It's not just a a silly little action with no meaning. If he doesn't have the proper meaning, then it's not worth anything. Uh, he has to give a little bit of himself. Uh, something else I read in one of the uh, explanations from Sivan Rahav Meir, uh, and maybe I'll embellish it a little bit, if someone, think about it, if you wanted to say thank you to someone, you can just pick up the phone and say, oh, thanks a lot for doing A, B, C, and D. And we've probably all done that to a certain extent. But how does that compare 
to actually driving round that person's place and shaking his hands and giving Yishar Koach or Todarabah or a hug if, if it's possible? Or what about going to another level and uh, maybe giving a gift, doing something practical and real, a ma'aseh out of what someone has done? Uh, there's no question that I think we can all agree that there is one level when one's, one verbalizes something and there's another level altogether when there's some type of act uh, of going, one person's going out of his way uh, in an act of, of thanks in this particular case. And it applies to anything. Uh, it could also be theoretically if someone did something wrong. Obviously, we could simply say, I'm sorry, God, I did uh, this. Sorry, God, I did that. But when a person has to stop for a second, he has to think what he's done. He has to take some flour, has to take a dove, a pigeon dove, maybe a small little animal, and walk with Yerushalayim, contemplating what he has done. That act takes him to another level altogether when it comes to him trying to change and ask for forgiveness. Uh, so there is the act, and I guess there is the uh, the speaking, and part of the korbanot in some ways, although it may be difficult for all of us to, to comprehend we're in a different world today. And we need a different, totally different mindset to appreciate what uh, may be one day. We can still nevertheless appreciate the concept of speaking versus doing some type of, uh, of act. Uh, something else that's connected to Eretz Yisrael. Uh, I love reading the book of uh, Rav Moshe Lichtman. It always has something to do with Eretz Yisrael. And he, uh, he points out, that um, first of all, that Vayikra is referred to as Torat Kohanim. Uh, nothing to do with Tereth Kohanim, but uh, in fact, Tereth Kohanim has nothing to do with Kohanim. Many of you uh, uh, may have even, or not thought about, how do we even get the name? Just you should know, and I'm digressing a little bit from the parasha, um, a bunch of Talmidim 40 years ago thought that the Mashiach was coming, and they said, listen, we're not ready, we've been in the Golas and we're worrying about how to kosher chickens and borrowing money and this and that, but who knows anything about Ben Harabait and the Korbanot and the Kuhuna? Maybe we should sit and learn about the Kuhuna. So the name was Tereth Kohanim. But of course, in the very beginning, everyone realized that before there can be any uh, Bet Hamigdash and Korbanot and Kuhuna and Big Day Kuhuna and Korbanot or whatever else may be in Harabait, there has to be obviously a lot more Jewish life all around and close to Harabait. Uh, whether it be in the old city, the old Jewish quarter, Kvaratemanim, Ir David, Harazetim, etc. So the concept changed to be one of reclamation, redeeming land, bringing back Jewish life, the physical redemption, the houses, the stone upon stone. But the name stayed as the Teret Konim. In any case, um, you're going to notice in all Chumashim uh, that the Aleph is very small. Now, one standard explanation that a lot of people give is that, you know, it's, it wasn't appropriate that God should be calling Moshe and on a one to one basis, like I'm speaking to you and I'm calling you and I'm calling my friends. The relationship with God and Moshe, even though it was close, had to be a little bit different. So uh, it was made a little bit smaller. When Moshe Rabbeinu wrote out the Torah, this is based on Hashem Telem, of course, is the Aleph was smaller. But the Zohar some, says something else altogether. Um, he says, this is once again brought down by Rabbi Moshe Lichtman, that in the Zohar, uh, which I haven't learned, uh, but he does say that the small Aleph relates to the fact that the calling was perfect but there was a, a tinge of imperfection in the whole episode of the Mishkan. And why is that? Because it was in Chutzlaretz. Because we're talking the imperfection is due to the fact that it's only the Mishkan, in inverted commas, and only in the Midbar outside of Eretz Israel. 
a perfect situation is the Bet Migdash in Yerushalayim. And that's why there's a little small aleph there when it talks about the, uh, the beginning of the whole story of uh, Korbanot, of giving, of sacrificing, of Mesiris Nefesh, etc. Uh, and on that note of Mesiris Nefesh, um, I want to thank those that have gone out of their way who have uh, really um, come forward for this Kimcha de Pischa this year, who have uh, thought about the families in Kvar Atemanim, in Kidmatzion. Uh, those that have had mysterious nefesh, uh, our own families, and we should appreciate who they are and try and identify with them as much as possible at the forefront, trying to hold on to Yerushalayim. These are uh, amazing days. It's already a year since the whole of the corona started. Hopefully we're slowly but surely uh, coming out of it. So uh, get ready, everyone, for Pesach. That's the story of, uh, of Hakrava, of Korbanot, of Karev, of uh, Parashat Vayikra. I wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom. And the last thing I just wanted to add very quickly, uh, the Sefer Torah that was generously donated from someone in, uh, in Chicago, um, it's, it's uh, more or less nearly finished off. Anyone who wants to participate in the, uh, in the writing and have the mitzvah of writing a, sefer, uh, a letter in the Sefer Torah, you are all welcome to do that now. Uh, in the next uh, week or two after Pesach, we hope to have a Hachnasa Sefer Torah into Kfarat Emanim. And if you wish to be part of the uh, Ktivat Sefer Torah, you're welcome to then be in contact with the uh, American office or me. Todaraba, Shalom, Shalom. And next week, not only will we talk about the Parsha, but I think we'll have a few things about Lel Haseder. I'll go through some of my notes and we can maybe share. Finally, if there is anyone out there who is listening to this and you want to share a beautiful thought with us about any of the parshas, you are welcome, if it's within two to three minutes, a short little thought, um, to do an audio um, of the of the parsha thought and send it in. We'll look at it and God willing, maybe even put it in the uh, some of them in the newsletter. Todah Shalom, shalom.